the human-centric podcast the podcast all about the talents of today and tomorrow presented by deutsche telekom so guys Heartly welcome back to the Human Centric Podcast. We are honored today to have two very busy people visiting us from the Deutsche Telekom universe. And we are discussing a topic that's been up a couple of times already, but I don't think we're ever going to leave it behind us. We are going to spend time today discussing leadership, leadership initiatives in corporations, how as leaders we should take them on board how they can actually steer and aid and help us, what gets in the way, how can we humanize and make real the leadership challenges that we are facing every day. I can't wait to explore that with our guest today, Svetlana. Who is in front of the microphones right now? We have two great guests today. And here with me we in do. Bonn, in Deutsche Telekom, we have John Talbot. Hello. Hello. And John is a senior vice president, but if you check his LinkedIn, It says he's driving leadership. And John is not coming from the HR organization. He's actually has been working in marketing, in transformation, in marketing, transformation and strategy. And from three or four different markets, John, isn't it? That's correct. That's correct. Yes, I've spent quite a lot of time in Germany recently, but also worked obviously in the UK and in Holland as well. Yeah. Welcome, John. And we also have Dina Tsibulskaya connecting from Podgorica in Montenegro. Dina is our seasoned CEO, and she's right now managing our business unit or a national company in Montenegro. And Dina is experiencing the leadership in day-to-day, -day, leading teams, leading country, uh, leading the European segments along with us. So welcome, Dina. Thank you. Happy to be here. And um, I think it will be interesting for all of us to talk about leadership as it's everyday job for us now. Yeah. And thank both of you guys for showing up. I think the time has come to try and kind of put into a frame what we're doing here today, because it's such a huge, big topic, leadership, isn't it? And it's kind of one of those words that we just kind of use without really filling it with content. If I can ask the both of you, what lies at the heart for you of leadership here now in, in 2021? Should we do ladies first? Dina, what would it be for you? Okay, what lies in the heart of leadership is, as always, actually, that didn't change much. You have to be taking people behind you into something which is new, into something which is different, and being courageous enough to go the first steps so that uh, you can serve as an example and that people can follow if they need to. On the other hand, this one is a little bit different maybe lately now, is that Ideally, if it's not about courage, but it's about skills and uh, understanding, then you should be uh, you know, together with people and making sure that they do have enough skills and they do have enough mm. understanding that they can lead it themselves. Oh, so you're describing very accurately this phenomenon of like needing to look ahead and venture into the unknown and being someone who goes in the like first and then at the same time creating following and followership, and looking back and understanding and showing empathy. It's a bit of a gap sometimes, isn't it? That's a beautiful definition. It is a gap, but that's a way you need to feel it with yourself. Oh, that's what your role is, I believe, as a leader. 
Oh, that's brilliant. John, how are you going to follow this one? That <laughs> was a good start. All said. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> yes, that's it. Always something to add on. I think, um, yeah, I, I like the difference between managers and leaders, really. I think sort of managers manage the sort of current situation. And I'm always looking for leaders who are prepared to disrupt and make the changes and also disrupt themselves. So when when everything's going well, are you prepared to make the changes as well and not have the changes just happen to you? And of course, when you disrupt and, and you make the changes, as said before, are people prepared to follow you? Otherwise, you're just mm. the lone nut going in a direction. And that isn't <laughs> as powerful as when you break the team with you. So that's the big thing, I think, that makes it a strong leader. Yeah. I felt that, as you said it, we fail to disrupt because we shy away from the change if something is actually working quite well, don't we? Yes, exactly, exactly. It takes a, a much stronger leader to uh, look ahead, think about potential issues and risks, and also change something that's good rather than wait until it comes upon you and then everybody can manage those situations because they've got no choice, so... So there is this, we can talk about like before and then the present tense, and we can define the difference between kind of the bosses of old and the leadership philosophies that kind of govern the space these days. Has it changed in the last few years for the two of you? I just wanted to say, I mean, probably still in the very essence of leadership, of team building, it doesn't change because still it is pretty human to look at someone who is uh, capable of taking the entire responsibility loop. And that you know that where, whatever decision you will be taking, whatever path you will be going, there is one person who says, okay, whatever happens is my responsibility still. It's still mm -hmm. on. And I believe that that's something which will never change. And this is why we need leaders in, yeah. in structures, agile, not agile, lean, whatever. And that's not about position, it's about the person who says, guys, I'm with you, I'm standing strong behind you, with you. What did change is that I believe that the hierarchy, this looking upwards, is already no value per se. And that we all understand that just being there somewhere in the tower on the hill does not add you any value. That people don't follow you because you have a position or a description. They follow you because they believe you. And that's, I believe, something which is probably sort of normal, uh, normal, modern, or at least it was stipulated like that recently. And we sort of all adopted it. That, I believe, is a change. That's a brilliant point. I think it's easy to believe that all the social hierarchies are kind of flattening out now because of all the agile and the growth mindset and all of this. And it... It certainly is flattening, but you're pointing to the very important idea that we still need a hierarchy. We still need someone at the end of the day to be going, I'm the one, we're going this direction. Yes, and don't be afraid because even if it, you know, goes south, it's still, you know, me who will cover you if needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Again, John, pretty tough act to follow this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll pick what up the bits thinking, from it. No, I think <laughs> in the past, a lot of leadership was information is power. And a lot of leadership was, you yes. know, I know what's going on and I will cascade it. And uh, now I think generations coming through have access to lots and lots of information. Everything is much more open. In fact, if anything, teams are even more knowledgeable than their leaders now. So this information imbalance has, has gone. And I think that's where leaders now have to find their new value add. 
and it doesn't come from the nicest seat in the meeting room or the title. Mm. It comes from inspiring people. And as said before, do I want to work for this person? And mm. teams labor market is much more open. You know, young talent comes in, they work for a few years trying something. Does it work for me? If not, I'll move on, do something else. So there's a constant flow. There's a constant opportunity space. And teams are much more demanding as to what they want and take control of direction. So leaders have to be very aware of that, inspire, empathy, understanding, as well as driving to a business outcome. And if you get that balance wrong, then you have a huge disconnect. Absolutely. So the information flow having changed so severely, that has created a new dynamic. And together with the idea that people may be more kind of able and see the idea of moving from even moving companies is not that much of a threat or so dangerous anymore. That flow also changes the role of the leader. I think that sounds recognizable. I'm also very aware that the power dynamics and the information dynamics have shifted in the last year because of the COVID pandemic, right? Because suddenly the people who are in the know are maybe the people who went into the office in some cases or the people who weren't in that meeting or were in that meeting. Every, things have changed a lot in the last yeah, year. But also As, we're all in it together. Let's build on that. That's the big leveler. We're all in it together. Everyone can catch COVID. Yeah. Everybody's sitting at home feeling this is strange, you know, and so leaders can add value and support, but they can't suddenly give this magic answer. But in a way that brings out the more human centric side of leadership because you're following that person because they're listening, they support and they're yes. working with you because we're all in it together. And that's what the pandemic has done. Oh, I love that. And isn't that weird how that is juxtaposed to the idea that suddenly we're not able to be in the same room anymore. So we all have the same experience, but we share it via screens. <laughs> Has the COVID pandemic changed your leadership, Dina? In a way, yes. From the point of view that, you know, you have to also coordinate a lot of things much in a different way. So you have to give people more actual freedom, more trust that Okay, you once meet up, you discuss, you made a decision, and that decision will be, you know, going its own way and being realized. I think from this perspective, definitely, you cannot just, you know, knock on different doors and say, uh huh, how are you doing? And I'm not only talking about me, I mean, I'm talking about all the leaders in the company. Yes, it does take away this personal touch in a way, but it also um, requires extra empathy to still keep this connection with people, even though we are remote. Plus, I think, uh, on the other hand, COVID helped us all to build a more personal relations because it's now okay to ask, like, how are you? How is your family? Uh, you know, and it was a regular thing and people were sharing much more openly because it was, you know, much more normal thing to share which was strangely, you know, strange development of something where you're sitting at home and, and talking over Zoom. Mm. There's been strange consequences, hasn't there, of like seeing suddenly you're in somebody's bedroom and suddenly you're seeing someone's cat and you, there's all of this stuff going on. Anyway, let's bring us to today's topic. Svetlana, bring us to the initiative that is so fresh off the trolley here in, in yeah. Deutsche Telekom. You know, I was really interesting to follow John and Dina talking about 
personal perception of leadership and how you live it and how you view it. It is also very important to have company perception of leadership. What is expected? What is changing? And be very clear articulating what is leadership in Deutsche Telekom per se. And interestingly enough, Deutsche Telekom started to transform and revisit leadership just before pandemic hit. Right, John? Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved how the whole work was created. And now it's called Leadership Anchors. And if you take a moment, if you just think of the word anchor, yeah, it's something that grounds you. It's something which gives you home. That's where you can connect to if you really have to check on yourself, you know, how you're doing. So Deutsche Telekom right now have a few leadership anchors, which we really encourage and we want to see those anchors in our leaders and being very transparent for very kind of open uh, what they are and john you've been driving that Mm -hmm. tell us a bit more what those anchors are and how you have been designing them okay thank you yeah i mean deutsche telecom has some very strong guiding principles which go out through the company but we were looking at the principles and thinking well leaders are almost in a unique position to influence and what behaviors do we want leaders to work on within those guiding principles. And we didn't want to sort of produce another set of posters or big books full of philosophical uh, themes, which we can all read in the books from Harvard professors. Um, We wanted to find (laughs) some sort of behaviours in there that leaders can really demonstrate for future leadership. Yeah. So what we decided was, let's work on some leadership anchors. And rather than as they be too theoretical, we put them into our interviewing approach. So we said, let's make them very practical and simple. So when we're interviewing people for leadership positions, yes, we ask about the guiding principles. That's great. But as a leader, you have a unique position to push something. So let's really dig into some of those. So let me give you an example. So we have a guiding principle of getting things done in Deutsche Telekom. It's a new one for the last year and a half, and it's everybody in the company needs to get things done. But for leaders, I want our leaders to be courageous and take risks to disrupt. So within getting things done, I want to see some of those behaviours in there. And here in our interview guide are four or five questions that you would ask for potential candidates to see whether that individual has that kind of calibre and could add value to the Deutsche Telekom family. And we have over 700 interviews a year um, conducted leader on leader. So getting this sort of standard, getting some focus on some of these leadership anchors is very important for us to raise the bar of overall leadership in telecom. And to be fair, leadership is pretty good in our company. We've just had the pulse results. And... When we ask all our people about leadership and how would you rate your leader, it's in the high 80s. So the teams are pretty pleased with leadership generally. But as I said before, the trick is to keep disrupting and keep changing. And we're still not happy and we still want to keep raising the bar. So here's a a kind of leadership anchor actually telling us that it's allowed to be courageous. You're allowed to take personal initiative and take personal action and you showing that even in the interview guide. I love how this is actually showing leaders out there what their mandate is in a way. Yes, absolutely. And I think people watching this podcast who are in big corporate companies probably share this challenge. 
you could take an approach in leadership of just following all the processes, going to all the meetings, ticking all the boxes. Mm. And then you have two years later, you look back and you think, what have I really changed? You know, where have I really taken it from here to here? And the people who manage that are the people who at certain points show courage, take some risks and focus. And that's what we're looking for in leadership. It's a big company. You've got to get cut through. And I'm looking for some of those qualities, both internally and also when we recruit from the marketplace. So I'm really sorry to have to quote Harvard to you, but there's an old Harvard leadership definition. It's very quick and it goes like this. Leadership is the instigation and the implementation of change. And that also to me speaks somehow of a curve kind of ending. There's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an ending to these initiatives. And also maybe therefore a, a chance for leaders to move on after something is finished. Dina, what are, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, as usually, uh, initiatives, uh, as initiative, they obviously need to finish and they need to be somehow, you know, there should be a result because otherwise we are all tricked into having a process and enjoying the process, which, you know, may lead to nowhere eventually. Mm. So, yes, I mean, everything has to be measured. Everything has to be, you know, tangible at the end. On the other hand, you know, it's always about, you know, something short-term and long-term. Usually they're saying leaders are about long-term, need to long-term, they need to see strategy, they need to understand where are we going big time, which is true. But in reality, I believe that's only my belief, that a good leader is that he understands what are short moves today, which will have a long-term effect tomorrow. And sometimes it's extremely difficult because when you decide something big and something bright and something so tempting and let us go all there and it goes, sometimes you go nowhere eventually. Yeah. So going the small steps, which are not visible today, maybe, or which are sort of seem so mundane, so routine and still keep people believing that you are actually going a big way. I believe that's one of the biggest challenges, actually. So let's do small things today so that we will have something big tomorrow. You need to convince people about that. And I think convincing is exactly in this area of also minding the gap. Because we do have, as John mentioned, we do have great right now leadership results in our Pulse survey. We do have clarity of the picture of the anchors, which we really want to have in the company of Deutsche Telekom here in Germany, but also across our international entities. Still, I think we should continue to strive to close the gap between what we used to have maybe before to what we need to have in the future. What are your examples of closing the gaps? How to work with the gap in the country, Dina, in your case, when you work with people day to day in Montenegro as a CEO, and also from your side, John, when you're leading leadership tribe across all the countries, how do you help people to close the gap between where we are and where we need to be? Yeah, I think the first thing on any closing the gap thing, and this is my sort of commercial head coming in again, is finding the pain point or the problem you're trying to solve. So much of what we do, we sort of throw training at things or we throw a solution already before we've been really clear what the problem yeah. is. And that mm -hmm. can be from a personal point of view or a task. So for me, it's always about you know identifying that very concretely where the challenge is. And then it's like when we worked on this interview guide, then very quickly, you know, pilot and try some things. So 
you know, try some solutions, you know, don't wait too long, try a few things. And then if you find that that is something that works, you just get on with it and move quickly. So for me there, it's, it's about being razor sharp on the challenges you have and then experimenting very quickly on some solutions. And then when you get the right one that fits, you know, getting after it. So there is no one answer fizzing all. So it really has to be connected to the problem you solve. And I love how this, you know, interview guide actually helps it to become you no know, day-to-day, very practical, very down-to-earth. When you are hiring mm. a manager, a leader, you can really use it because that helps you to select the people uh, we want to have in the company to be a part of our DNA in Deutsche Telekom. Dina, what about yourself? How do you work with the minds the gap on the country level with your people? You know, I believe in small moves and tools. I very much believe in tools. And this is why I love this anchor initiative so much. Because there are very concrete, you know, big values are turned into something very concrete, which you can use. And I love things like that. You know, these are these small steps which eventually will lead you to something big. And uh, I very much build on what uh, we discussed now about commercial initiatives. And it's sort of relatively easy because, yes, fast-to-fail concept. You have a couple of ideas, you test them, and then you follow. Yet, for me, there are things which are not that easy from this perspective, especially everything connected to HR or people management. Hmm. And their failures are very difficult, actually, to manage after that. I mean, we had our experience in the company where there was a couple of, let's say, HR-related things which were not that successful from exactly people eyes. And then I believe the biggest challenge here is to make your team believe that you learn lessons from that, that you are capable to fix the mistakes. First of all, that you're able to admit some things were wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and this admitting takes courage because in somebody's eyes, admitting you made the mistakes makes you weak and makes you a leader which is not good enough. So, you know, combining this two, being still a leader and saying, guys, everything is okay. We know where, where are we going. This is probably the biggest challenge for me. And this is this closing the gap, you know, okay, let's take these other small steps, which I believe will lead us where it's needed. I think I so totally second that. Somehow this is bridged for me with the idea of like initiatives like growth mindset or agile ways of work. What you're pointing to is having the patience and the vulnerability to dare to share and stay. Because, you know, it's so easy to say dare to fail and fail fast and all of this. But when you actually do it, sometimes it takes a long time before you get back. Or, you know, there are real uh, expenditures. There's a real cost to it. So I think it's one of the things I think a lot about leadership is that we need to keep it real and keep it human. And not kind of get into all of these big philosophies because we all know what it would be nice to do or to be. That's not where the difficulty hits us. It's where the idea of who we end up being the whole time. What gets in the way, huh? Stress, too little time, people's emotions, your own emotions, right? There's all of these obstacles, really. I don't know. Do you have any experience with that, John? What gets difficult, you who teach other leaders how to lead, what gets difficult for you as a leader? Yeah, I think, again, with this sort of corporate environment, I think the challenge is always the balance between the sort of lights on day-to-day activity, which if you drop the ball on that, there's immediate consequences. And that is the thing that is always pulling you versus the more transformational stuff that you, 
you know, you know, long term that will build change, but so somehow it's never quite on the urgent list. So for me, with my teams, it's always trying to get this balance between doing great job today, but also having a few topics where we keep disrupting. And I'll give you an example on diversity. So, you know, we're pushing diversity heavily in telecom, as most companies are at the moment. And, you know, we're very good at, you know, we interview people on a one-to-one basis and, and we're thinking, oh, that's great, you know, diverse candidate, good international background, you know, worked in many places, you know, quite young and dynamic, new ideas. So this is all working. Now that's kind of horizon one, great activity. But how do you put some things in which systemically change the process? So you don't have exactly. to, you know, and we have a talent pool that I think you've discussed before on this. And so in the talent pool, we do actively put in, we want 30 to 40%, for example, people, you know, with diverse or females or whatever background in that pool. So leaders can look at that pool when they're looking for vacancies. So at one level, you're tactically dealing with situations and interviewing. At the other level, you're thinking, what systemic things can I put in place, which actually mean it starts to become normal and automatic. And for me, that's the big challenge in leadership, trying to balance the two. Uh, you can't be all the way over here and you can't be all the mm-hmm. way over there. And that, I think, for me personally, is, is my one. I love what you're saying about how the systems we create today can become the norms of tomorrow. So how important isn't that to pay attention to that? What is a challenge if we take ourselves to like zooming in on the telecom industry, if we dare to do that for a second, is there something telecom specific in terms of what we need our leaders to do these days? What is particularly needed in telecom right now? If you're a technology leader and Very often I think about Deutsche Telekom is one of the biggest brands on the planet. And we are doing fantastic things impacting societies and bridging digital divide. And importance of that passion for technology, I think is very unique for our industry. Passion for technology, opening up the expertise and experts inside the company, getting them from the market to join Deutsche Telekom to create impact for our customers is a very unique thing. And I know, Hannah, this is our episode number. I don't know what is the number, but every (laughs) time you talk about on different topics, Dina, John, passion comes up. So I see a lot of passion in DT for technology. I see a lot of passion to change, passion to really make an impact on the customer. That's very unique. It's very easy looking from the outside in. It's very easy to see the intense pressure you guys are under in terms of disrupting and understanding what lies ahead of you and understanding the future. So... Am I right in assuming that courage plays a part here? Yes, it does. But let me just build on Svetlana's point. I mean, technology business, got to understand technology, but most of our customers don't really care about the technology part. (laughs) Um, I just had a new router put in this week at home and I suddenly realized how little knowledge I had. And I ended up asking questions like, I just wanted to work in the bedroom here. I just wanted to be faster in the lounge here. Um, and that's how a customer thinks. They they want us to take away the complexity True. of technology. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know whether it's a, a mesh or they just want it to work. They want it to be simple. Yes. They want to know how to fix it. And so the job of leaders in telco is to really take all this 
great technology and leading technology and make it as simple as possible for customers. And then it just works and everybody's happy. And so it's it's a very <laughs> yeah. simple thing, but hard to do because technology is changing daily in our sector. We move so fast. There's always a new phone, a new technology. You know, the cloud is now normal. You know, 10 years ago, yeah. nobody yeah. knew what that was. So all these trends come in and customers, well, what is this cloud? You know, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's leaders have to really be up to date in telco to translate into something that works. And making sure that we normalize living with the uncertainty of the new. In a way, even as customers, I really recognize that because I'm constantly left feeling foolish that I don't understand more than I do. So it's uh, reassuring to hear that it's the same for you guys. <laughs> what about you, Dina? What do you, if you were to kind of go, this is what a leader in telecom needs? I think that the difference between telcos and other industries is that we have a history, as funny as it sounds, but I mean, relatively long and short at the same time. And now, because we have a history, we have also our standards and we are very much, uh, you know, zero failure companies by our nature. We are very, very prudent in how we operate. Unlike, let's say, all the startups and, uh, you know, this uh, minimum viable product concept, et cetera. And um, that's now how we should transform this unique skill of being so reliable into the fact that we are proud about it. And we are still capable of operating in this very demanding surrounding, which we created for ourselves, that we are still with the customers, we are happy about it, and we can provide it. It's pretty challenging, and it's very demanding. On the other hand, we lost uh, the pride in ourselves a bit. We are so challenged from all the sides. Uh, hmm. We are, you know, the big companies from, I mean, uh, this challenge, that challenge, this disruptor. And we sort of forgot that actually we are uh, only one company, I mean, as a telco, who is, which is uh, with the customer 24-7, but like really 24-7. And um, that's actually something we should be so proud about. Uh, we're, oh, and, uh, and I, have to, I have to stop you right there and celebrate that, Dina. I think that is, that is one heck of a point right there. The idea that when there's so much pressure and so many layers of pressure coming your way, kind of at the same time uh, here, you are so good at delivering. And for those of you listening in, guys, if you didn't hear the last episode, this is like the 23rd most successful brand on the planet these days. So there's no small company we're talking to today. The idea of actually taking the time to stop and feel the pride and to celebrate. Oh my God, that just speaks to me. That's quite profound. What do you think the celebration, I mean, it's so self-explanatory, but take me there. What does it do when you, as a leader, Dina, manage to celebrate and tell your team members that you're proud of them? What does it create? Uh, I mean, it's, it creates happiness, actually, as, as simple yeah. as it sounds. But people, all of us, want to be part of something good. Uh, all of us want to be part of something, uh, you know, where we can contribute, where we can do things better for others as well. And uh, when you're saying, guys, let's be proud of ourselves. We are very important. And COVID, by the way, brought it to the next level. It made it so obvious that without telcos, our world would collapse. 
much faster and much more disastrous, in a much more disastrous way. And um, that also was a bit of eye-opening to ourselves. We understood how important we are and how much responsibility, of course, it has behind. But still, you know, it feels good. And I believe feeling good moves you forward always. Oh, yeah. So, John, is there something in the leadership anchors about feeling good? About Absolutely. celebrating? Absolutely. Is it in there? There's a lot in here. Let me choose the best one. So I gain and give trust by being authentic and empathetic, I'm accountable for the good of our people. I grow myself and others. I provide thought leadership for teams. So a lot in there about people. And I think that's a big shift as well in the current world and future leadership is a lot more is about creating diverse teams or looking at the skills of your teams. And these things are becoming more important now than perhaps in the past, which was very heavily on a vision and your own personal skill set. It's now about how can you develop others in your group. So leaders growing other leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask you, because I was curious, as an onlooker to the organization, I'm aware that you are called the head of the leadership tribe. Like you're the kind of the Gandalf of leadership development uh, in Digital Telecom. Doesn't he die at some stage and then come back? <laughs> oh, maybe not well, Gandalf. Take but, that one. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. But yes, uh, he can okay. be there. Leadership tribe then. Yes. So what have we got there? My role is about raising the bar of leadership. Yeah. And we have a group called the Leadership Tribe. And we have two teams, really. And one looks at the life cycle of all executives and supports them through that journey. And the other team looks at, you know, the development tools that are there, the trainings, the programs that can take you to a higher level. And we call it a tribe right. because we've gone into agile as well. So we have chapters, we have squads, which is new for us as well. We've been doing that for only a year now. So we're also in that, uh, that thing. So hence the tribe piece. So hence the tribe piece. So because words are important, aren't they? And you can have such a dualistic relationship to a word like tribe. I, for one, really, really buy into that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's tribal. And we like to commune and connect in ways that can only be well described if you use words like tribal. But it can get so uh, wishy-washy or weird, can't it? It's so important to keep on the right side of the words. Dina, you're laughing. What are you thinking? I, I love the agile terminology generally. Uh, I'm yeah. skeptical about it. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, it sort of it makes you feel younger. <laughs> and if you are. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been younger. called Gandalf. Hang on a minute. How does that work? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a fun part because, yes, indeed, being global HR in Deutsche Telekom, we did have a job transformation and we are operating a bit differently these days. But what I love about Leadership Tribe is that these are the people who are caring for the leadership anchors, that are doing systematic changes, systematic changes in how we hire leaders, in how we raise diversity, in building up talent pools that we need for the positions of the future. But they're doing it also on such a down-to-earth level. Even this podcast, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying so much. We're not talking about strategic things. We are talking about down-to-earth behaviors which we expect every single day from our people. And sometimes we are good yes. in them. Sometimes we are not so good, but we're on the journey, right? And we have moments to celebrate. And that's what, in my view, that's what leadership is about. Yeah. You know, on the idea of 
Gandalf. To get serious for a second, Gandalf by Tolkien, he plays a really, really important part because he plays the helper. He's the helper. He's besides the main heroes and he's always the one they can come to if they need help. And in a way, that seems like a lovely metaphor for the leadership anchors. They're meant as a kind of a resource, aren't they? A place to go to. Like you said, Svetlana, they can ground you and land you and help you define and decide. They give you home. To me, you know, leadership anchors, why it's also quite important because you are in your on your personal mastery journey. And very often you have a feeling that, you know, you could have done it better or I wanted to improve. I wanted maybe to become yeah. a better version of a leader in this company or just as a person per se. And that gives you the grounds to see what can I work on? You know, what can I improve at? And it doesn't have to be philosophical, you know, theoretical level. It has to be really as Dina and John have been saying down to earth. What behaviors, what habits, I would even say habits, can I have? Mm that can help me improve day to day. And very often those habits are routines that might not sound very inspirational, but this is routines and my habits, which I repeatedly do on a day-to-day work life, uh, which helps yes. me improve and become a better person, a better leader. And uh, sorry, I just wanted to build up on the habit piece because I believe it's very important. Actually, and I believe that's exactly this gap thing we were discussing before that leaders, they are first saying, guys, we are going there somewhere and it will be new and change. And then uh, the role of the leader now today is to listen to the people where to go. Is sometimes just, you know, giving the people all the conditions that they come um, mm. that where to go and why to go and, and how to go. But the good leader is then making sure that the, all the new ways which we created, all the new practices, how we are going, uh, what we're building is becoming a habit. And that requires so much consistency, which is actually pretty tiresome from time to time. Because sometimes you want like, okay, uh, you know, mm-hmm. big leader, I'm a big boss. I sort of showed you the big way, uh, you know. But in reality, the leaders, and I'm not talking about all the layers of leaders, are those who are consistent enough to say, sorry, this doesn't fit the new ways, it should be this. Or no, no, here we deviated, let's go back to track. And be attentive, be persistent, and that, I believe, is what is the biggest value of the leader today. Sort of, you know, as Gandalf, actually. In the guys <laughs> back on track. Yes, yes. That's the metaphor du jour, Gandalf. I think what you're coming back to and coming back to the consistency that being the stayer that stays with the project, stays with the process and does it step by step. I'm reminded of uh, Aristotle, of course, Svidlana, saying that we are our habits, right? What we do every day becomes us. So therefore, excellence, therefore, is not a, something you do. It's a habit. That was really, really badly <laughs> paraphrased, but it's in there somewhere. And then I think the little steps, making it concrete for people, really helps me to take on board a leadership philosophy in the overwhelm of the day-to-day as well. Because being as busy as we are, we don't have time to read a 300-pager from Harvard. What we have time to do is some very specific and concrete advice about what to do on the day-to-day basis. Which again, good thing about the anchors. What about 
trainings and programs and initiatives, Dina, before we finish off, what are your favorites when it comes to actually like initiatives from headquarters, you know, when it's time to train the leaders and develop them? What are some insights you have there? I believe there is always time to train leaders because training, I don't believe in, in big programs with a lot of theory. If people already made to a leader position, I mean, most likely they have already some, you know, theoretical background and even some practical background to get there. And especially in DT, we're not talking about people, you know, zero education guys level. Mm-hmm. What I believe in is that you are doing a lot of your own training on the job. So every day talking to people, every day doing, you are training yourself and that lasts with you. You never should stop developing yourself. But what I like about DT trainings is that they are very short, (laughs) very up to the point. (laughs) They are made of different topics and you are really, really agile in terms of, okay, today I can listen to this one, this one I can pick up. Oh, I have, you know, some challenge here and there. Let me, you know, look this up in some digest form in a way. This I very much love about the way how now this level up program is organized in DT. And another one is that I really love all kinds of interactions with other leaders. Mm. Of course, you learn from others much more than you can learn from books. People get theory through them. They get it into real life if they're ready to share. And this is the most important thing. If people are sincere and ready to share, you learn from that more than anything else. And for me, the, let's say, HR function is to ensure that people are not scared to share. They don't need to be always telling good stories, success stories, et cetera, that they know they're valid for the job and results but they can also share something which bothers, something which maybe not was not that big success, something which was maybe even a failure, but you can learn from it. I hope that our CTIO community will forgive me for that, for sharing this with others, but there uh, we have, uh, I mean, I, I somehow happened to be there as well. And there is a uh, called aha moment sharing moment, you know, evening wine session where people are sharing actually failures. Like, you know, that's wonderful. Which, yeah, which was, you know, supposed to be that, and then it was not exactly that successful, or it didn't work easily. Or, and I believe the fact that we can even have that sort of conversations uh, is very telling. And that's, I believe, the culture uh, which is built and something that the group should be very focused to continue building. We need to you know, escape any sort of, you know, PR and self-selling expedition. That's not what we need. We need real sharing. We need real common building. Yes, I love that. And there's so much learning when you unpack a failure, when you untangle it and go, what was this and why was that? There's always so much learning that maybe sometimes in the end we end up going, oh, thank God I made that mistake. <laughs> it's, when you look at the success, usually there is a beautiful big picture and everybody, uh-huh, okay. But in reality, the success is the sum of many, many small efforts, which you exactly. are not, when you're looking at the big layer, big picture. And again, sharing about it was a success because we did this, 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 and also that and that and that, I believe is something that we should, you know, share. We should all learn uh, from other leaders uh, of different, again, of different levels. I'm not talking about CEOs, for example. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we're coming to the end of this one too, aren't we, Svetlana? Is there anything you'd like to say to round us up? Now, as I mentioned, uh, Dina, Hannah, John, it's been really incredible for me to reflect again that it's day-to-day. Leadership is nothing more than actually day-to-day work. It's your day-to-day habits. It's your day-to-day mindset on how you meet people, how you meet challenges, and actually how you react. And the way we learn about these day-to-day habits and rituals uh, or small things is actually how we interact with each other, how we sit down and reflect and talk and learn from peers. So for me, uh, the key message out of today's podcast is actually day-to-day work. Yeah, mm. and that they work in a human environment with other humans when you share your knowledge and you also learn from others. Beautiful. It feels like the old kind of bigger, more pretentious leadership initiatives, they would kind of not land in the everyday life of the leader. But now that we're making them so concrete, so specific, so like this is to do with your everyday, you know, this is what you do on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. This sounds like a cool way to go with leadership development. Here's hoping. And here's thanking you, Dina, so much for showing up. Thank you so much for being a guest. And Absolutely, my pleasure. And also you, John, for taking the time. And good luck with the leadership anchors. My God. Thank you. Really enjoyed that. It feels like we could be talking for hours. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye-bye. To find out the deeper meaning of talent and its human aspects in business environments, subscribe to the Human Centric Podcast and stay tuned.